Welcome to Black Men's Mental Health Podcast. Society doesn't want you to blame anything but yourself. It's a trait, not mental health. People out there is not going to understand you until you let them know. You definitely got to take into account your mental health. You have to tune into your own mind. Hey, what's going on? Jimmy and Casanova for another Black Men's Mental Health Podcast live. And I want to thank, at first, you know, I always start my podcast off, whether it's the live or whether it's uh, this one. I want to thank everybody that has been supporting the podcast, um, making it the top in the top 100 podcasts in the world for mental health. Uh, you know, I appreciate everybody. I see the emails. I see, you know, and I'm getting everybody. I'm seeing people want requests to be on the show. I know people want to do some Zoom. So, you know, I'm trying to work that out now where we could do Zoom and stuff like that. Um, but I want to appreciate everybody for really listening to this podcast, the support you have been giving it, making it a top podcast in the world. It's something that I never thought a year ago, I never thought would happen. And I just want to appreciate everybody for that. So I want to give everybody a round of applause, you know what I'm saying, for that, you know, um, really, this is for y'all. And I really, I really, I really am, am happy to see that people are gravitating to this and, and listen to it as helping people out. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, each week, the live exclusive on the culture radio, I have a guest every single Monday. Um, this week I have. Dr. Love Jones himself from the Gemini podcast, the co-host of the Gemini podcast. I don't want, you know, your co-host to be mad like, oh, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, you know she's she a little feisty one sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I don't want her to be getting mad. I want to, you know, but we got Mr. Dr. Love Jones. And this one's a very uh, uh, important, uh, special one to me. For one is because when I'm starting my journey, um, I, and I don't know if you remember, I went to you and I said, cause you know, you uh, released your book yeah, and I went to you and I said, Hey, how do you do that? And you know, you, you, you helped me out. You gave me some pointers and stuff like that, which helped me, you know, on my book journey, you know what I'm saying? Which, you know, led the seven books I wrote, you know what I mean? But like yeah. when I was starting to do it, you know, I really wasn't getting no help from a lot of people. A lot of people were just like, Oh, well, you know, uh, pay me this or, or, you know, go to the publisher and give this much money. And he, you know, sat me down and said, okay, cool. This is how I did it. You know what I'm saying? This is what you should look into. And I really appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, after that, you know, you join, you know, the culture radio, your podcast, Gemini, you know what I'm saying? And it's a great podcast, so much great information. And they really get, I mean, y'all get really deep on that podcast about, about, you know, about every subject when it comes to like relationships, love, spirituality, you know, spirit, you know, uh, engagement, all that stuff. So, you know, I, I definitely wanted to sit down with you and, and, and sit on my, on this platform because I know a lot of time you touch upon a lot of, uh, mental health issues and things like that. And unfortunately, uh, sometimes I do feel, and I have it too on my uh, uh, other show with RSVP Talk, when you're with another black woman or minority women, you know, a lot of things we may say, they kind of, uh, take as an offense in some way, you know what I mean? Just because of how the culture is right now, certain 
aspects, certain topics where we're not seeing eye to eye, which which is good because the conversation needs to be had. But sometimes on those platforms, they can't you can't really express yourself, you know, as much as you want to just because, you know, you always have to be considerate of your partner and, and, and their and their their standpoint. You have to respect that. So and not, not saying nothing is wrong about that, but, you know, a platform like this, you know, black men get to really express without the going back and forth and stuff like that, which those other type of podcasts, you know, present, which are good for the culture, for people to have the perspective. But sometimes you need just that one perspective. So I'm glad you're here and I appreciate you. And I want you to tell me a little about yourself before we get into this conversation. All right. So first off, shout out to my homegirl, Huda Rising. She's my other partners. Gemini would not exist without her. So and she adds tremendous value. So but who I am, I am the Javon Dr. Love Jones. As you mentioned, I'm an author. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a public speaker. And I'm also, I do life coaching as well. And one of the things I, I is important for me and the reason why I'm grateful for a platform like this is because one of the things I want to always highlight is mental health is a major thing. Mm-hmm. For me, I've had many bouts of mental issues myself, dealing with depression, recently dealing with grieving. Mm-hmm. And there's things that has happened to me that shaped me to become a person like now. But how did I become this person to be? So who am I? So my name is Javon Dr. Love Jones. I was born, raised in North New Jersey. I was born to Caribbean parents. My parents is from Guyana. So I'm the first generation in America, right? So coming, going into this first grade, I was deemed special ed. I was sent into special education from grade one to grade 12. They said I had a speech disability. Which sounded just like that because I just studied that just a bit. (laughs) (laughs) But they said I had a speech disability and I had a learning disorder. And what I came to realize is that that was just uh, a... you you realize that they do that a lot to urban kids back in those mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. where a lot of kids was was being deemed special ed and they really wasn't. So I was one of those kids, but I ended up getting out of it. I was valedictorian twice going into uh, middle school and high school and graduating out of high school. Mm-hmm. I was valedictorian. So mm-hmm. eventually goes into college, you know, doing my college thing and I get burnt out. Mm-hmm. Uh, about two, three years in, it, it uh, things just happened. And at the time, I only learned the term burnt out last year. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a word to really express what happened. So I burnt out, ended up dropping out. And from there, went, went into my 20s, got to a point where I became a father. And I decided at some point that it was in my it was in my inspiration. It was a passion for me to inspire and help others become the best, best and highest version of themselves. So I decided to go into motivational speaking. I decided to write my book. I'm talking about 26 now. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm about to write this book. I was calling myself an author. I was like, author, dot, author, Javon, Dr. Love Jones. Right. <laughs> no book came. No book came. Uh, realized. I started questioning myself, started wondering, like, what good am I? I'm about to write a self-help book, but I'm not helping myself. Mm. I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm barely managing to do things in life. I'm going through my own hardships. And I started questioning me and I started asking, am I even worthy to be able to even help and tell people about that book? Mm. So I never wrote it. 
few years later, went through depression. And that was tough because one of the things I started, it started hitting me because I got, I gained all this knowledge about self leveling up, getting your, getting your stuff together, growing mentally, spiritually. And my situation was the same. Mm. My situation was not gaining. I wasn't making more money. I was struggling. I was making what? $12 an hour. And I'm like, I'm barely using this to manage, take care of my kid. So I'm like, I, I got to a point where it just like, it came over to me and I started, I went back to that time when I was in special education and being made fun of because I rad, I rode the cheese bus. So for those who live up North, <laughs> if you're going to school on a yellow bus it's because you're going, you're in special education. Mm-hmm. There's no other signs that. So they called it the cheese bus is the yellow school bus. So I was the only one in the neighborhood getting put on those buses. Mm-hmm. So Everybody on the block knew where I was going. They know what kind of kid I was. So I've always had to deal with these. And I grew up not realizing that I was holding on to things from childhood. Mm. So when I went in and I did, this is when I got truly in tune with my spiritual side. I started to do this. I had a life a coach that was coaching me who helped me access that part of myself. So. Overall, I started to realize why I was being depressed, why I was going through that. So I ended up working that self. I started creating this mantra, level up, mm-hmm. level up been my mantra from 2018. Mm-hmm. As I got out of depression, I was like, level up. I got to level up. Everything was level up. So I ended up relocating from Newark, New Jersey to out here in Kissimmee, Florida. And it just came to me. Boom. I'm growing. I'm out here moving different things are turning. My energy is different. Mm -hmm. I got to document this. That's why I wrote the book to document my growth and to realize that if I could go through what I went through and overcome it, there's somebody else that could do it. Mm -hmm. So I was able to go ahead, do that, became the author. And from there, life is taking off. I'm doing multiple different things with different organizations. I'm so that's pretty much my story, who I am in a nutshell. All right. All right. All right. So, you know, I definitely feel everything you said, because I think um, one of the things you touch upon as a black man, we go through different phases and unfortunately we are left to heal ourselves Yeah, because we don't have the resources or the understanding that what we're going through is not only of course responsibility for what we did yeah that's life yeah. but also that sometimes decisions are made when your mental health isn't right and when you could be able to diagnose it you could realize it unfortunately for black men you know what is mental health to other people is traits for us like you know we're violent you know where somebody else is they're schizo um for us we're lazy when somebody else is, they're depressed and we're never looked at, you know, you look at the news and, uh, you know, I, you know, you see every time we get into something, it's, oh, thug, violent guy, you know, whatever. But white person is the same thing. It's uh, schizophrenia, mental health issues, Absolutely. you know, and, and I think a lot of times we go through life struggling, not understanding that what we're going through is, is something that could be helped. Uh, medically, you know, whether it's medicine or just counseling, whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times, you know, when I was going to counseling in the beginning, you know, I was told by 
my wife, by even certain counselors, you know, uh, you know, family, step up, be a man, you know, you got to take it, you know, all that stuff. When my wife had problems or issues or family members, females or other races, it's like, oh, they may have mental health issues that we need to explore. But for a black man, it's not, it's not that understanding, you know what I mean? And I think when we go through, you've been through a journey and how would it have impacted your journey if if at one point you was diagnosed with something that could be helped. You know what I'm saying? And I came to this realization recently how much I've been missing out not having a counselor or someone listen to my story or understand. Mm-hmm. Because I've done a lot of self-discovery, yeah. self-healing and stuff like that. And there was just this recent bout of shadow work that I did where I just realized, man, I could have collapsed time had I had somebody else talking to me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some stuff that was just so obvious that I was just too into myself to really see. And it's like writing a book and trying to edit your own book. There's certain mistakes you're not going to see. And that's why you get another editor, just like with your life, you get somebody else, a counselor, a professional that can edit your life, edit the way you go about doing things. And, and, and that, and I knew if I, if I came up and let's be real, we run from these terms we run from because the last thing you want to be considered is ADHD or you mm-hmm. got this problem whatever because now you got to go around with this with this label on you you feel like it's a stigma attached to it but and truly enough is once you know what you're dealing with you can overcome it imagine being deaf and no one told no one you had no idea you're deaf you had mm-hmm. no idea what's going on, mm-hmm. but yet you know that people you see mouth moving with no sound coming out. Mm-hmm. And how would you question you? How would you think that's right? How many people that's dealing with stuff that they don't really know, but they thinking that they're, they're, they're thinking something ain't right. And I, something's wrong with me. When the truth is you have a situation, you have an illness, you mm-hmm. have a problem. Mm-hmm. Mental illness is no different from a physical illness. Mm-hmm. It's just in the mind. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You know, I call it the, 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 the silent killer of our community with black men is mental health. Because like you said, if we were encouraged and had that open communication where it was encouraged and understood that we go talk to somebody that we could get that diagnosis and do the things to help us. Now, I, I never on my podcast try to say that we are the way we are just because of mental health. There's still responsibility. You know, Absolutely. You, you could drink and if you dry, kill somebody, kill somebody. You can't say, well, I was drunk. You know what I'm saying? At the yeah. end of the day, you still have responsibility. But at the end of the day, for black men, it's hard for us to even have the understanding to go get help because for us, everything's a dead end when it comes to that. You know what I mean? Having a counselor is great, but unfortunately we're not in the culture for even counselors to say, you know what you really have, because a lot of them, because what people don't know about counselors is that they're people too. Exactly. They have bias just like everybody else. And at the end of the day, when you live in a society that black men are the enemy, when black men are the example of what is crime, what is criminal, what is poor, what is broke, what is, uh, is, is, is neglect, what is deadbeat. At the end of the day, you go to a counselor, they have those stereotypes too as well. So unfortunately, it's hard for us to get that same type of help and understanding because in our society, we've always been, uh, uh, you know, uh, criminal number one from time of, of slavery days till now, we are still seen as 
when it comes to you. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, even recently, cops are shooting, doing target practice on black uh, um, pitchers. You know what I'm saying? Like we are what you know, you go to the, 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 the prisons. Who's mostly in there? You know what I'm saying? But statistically, who do most of the crimes? White people. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, we are the 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 figure of everything wrong. Even 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 a uh, uh, police brutality. At the end of the day, statistically, mostly white men are are get into the con- statistically. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're the, the face, face of, of it. it. You know what yep. I mean? Because that's what it is. It's profitable, and it's in American culture that we are nothing but anti-American. And and you know what I'm saying? That's the problem. So when you say things like you know. If I would have realized that if I would have been in a situation where I could have had that counselor or that 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 open dialogue, I could have, you know, gotten more help. You know what I mean? So in your life and just let's uh, let's elaborate on that, not having that. And and plus your Caribbean as well. So in the Caribbean community, you know, mental health, either 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 you go to church and get the Lord or you just lazy. You know what I'm saying? So. How would that change your life if if that dialogue or that openness of mental health being something you could explore? How do you think that would have changed your life? It would have changed my life dramatically because I would have been able like, think about it. I just admitted to you that last year I discovered I had burnt out and I dropped out of school. And this was over 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. So that's 12 years of me figuring out what was wrong with me. Why did I drop out? Me just, then I came to the notion. I just hate school. School ain't for me. Mm -hmm. And that's, that and all is not the reality. Mm -hmm. What it was is that I was going through so much. Certain things happened. My mom got into a a, a bad bus accident where she just damaged. She has bulging this in her neck and back. You dealt with trauma. So yes, I dealt with trauma. I dealt with things and school was not important no more. Yeah. And I just got tired. I was literally the last semester I was getting B's and C's in classes. I was easily got A's. Mm-hmm. And my G, my GPA dropped just all because I lost the drive to really go there, do homework, show up every day, mm-hmm. do all the things that's necessary for you to get a good grade and graduate. Mm-hmm. I just lost the desire. And that's literally sometimes we don't understand. Had I had uh, someone on campus that I could express that to, mm-hmm. that I could have sat there and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. And they could have said, hey, what you could do is this. Take a semester off. Figure, elaborate what you want, figure out for yourself what it is. And once you take one semester off and you take time too long, ain't no going back because at, at this point life kicked in and I'm figuring it out. Mm. I'm, I'm not dealing with school because at the end of the day, school is at my, and, and at my and at that point it's like school is not for me because I'm, I'm more of an entrepreneur. I'm going to make my money on my own anyway. So why well, I need school. So all of that, I created this mindset about school, but what it really was is I got burnt out. Mm-hmm. And had I known that I would have been able to move better. I've been able to do better. And that's some of the prices we pay. And one of the things I want to do here before we go forward is I want to kill this notion excuse. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I decide that I, my body does not feel like getting up, and I'm just overwhelmed with grief. I'm overwhelmed with stress. And I just don't feel like getting out of bed. Mm. I'm not making excuses if I say I'm not happy or I'm depressed or I'm grieving. That's not an excuse. That is a reality. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, we, 
when when any black men commit a crime and we say, well, look at what happened to him. This person did that. That triggered him to react like that. Oh, you're making excuses for him. No, I'm not making excuses. We need we need to find out there's a cause and effect to everything. If explaining the cause is important to understand the effect, you can't just blame the effect because that's what society teaches to do is while well, he's a killer. He's this. He's a rapist. He's all of that. But what was done to him? I remember all episode you talk about R. Kelly. No one talks about how his brother went on the radio and talk about how his sister molested him when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. That's not the conversation mm-hmm. because it's not attractive. It don't bring dollars because mm-hmm. it. what brings dollars is making someone a social pariah and making them to be uh, uh, the the exemption, the uh, the example of what you should not do. So when you are a black man, you need to tread lightly. Mm-hmm. You need to act a certain way because if you don't, then we're going to get your own people to hate you. Mm-hmm. And that's the message that was being sent. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I want to, I want to, uh, in, in what you said, I got a couple of things I want to touch upon that are, is so great. I want to go back though to colleges. Now, you know, a yeah. lot of people sit here and they talk about, okay, well, HBCUs are great. Right. And don't get me wrong. I am, I, I, I didn't go to one myself, but I've been to a whole bunch and I'm in a black fraternity. So, you know, you know, I know the atmosphere. I've been there. Um, and but the problem I see when it comes to college is that you have to follow the money. Most enrollments of black universities are what black women. Mm. So at the end of the day, who are they going to really cater to? Because at the end of the day, that's the majority. You know what I'm saying? Most of the teachers and faculty are women at these schools. So they're going to cater to women, which makes sense, you know, because let's be real. Regardless of what anybody says, all these public institutes, white or black, are about the dollar, the bottom line dollar. You know, it's facts. So when they have a lot of black men that have mental health issues or 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 burned out, things like that, how much follow through do your college have when you was there for two years and then all of a sudden you disappeared? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No one. Um, you know what I'm saying? Where was the support? Because after college, there is no support. Like for me, like uh, about a year and a, about almost two years ago, I quit my job. I did this full time. Things were good. Right. So a friend of mine said, hey, you know, you should apply for EBT. I'm like, for what? I don't need it. I'm good. He's like, yo, you just just free money. I'm like, oh, you know what? Let me see what, what let me see what I get. So I, I did it right. Just to see whatever. Put in, you know, uh, you know, whatever. And. They said $16 a month. That's what they said. And I didn't put like my wife's income or none of that stuff. I just put straight blackmail. That's it. And $16 a month. I know women that have no kids apply to $300 a month. Because the system is not meant to support us. You know what I'm saying? Even with, in college, like, like I know a lot of counselors are following up with the women or how they doing, blah, blah, blah. If they have a baby or are you pregnant? Support is there, all that stuff for us. I'm burnt out. Oh, well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's no, let me see what's going on. And then moving forward to the R. Kelly thing, you know, um, some people got mad at me about the R. Kelly thing because they felt I was defending him. And I said, very clearly, I'm not defending this man. Whatever he did is what he did, but it's a shame. But at the end of the day, when he was making all that money, 
Nobody was snitching. Nobody was Facts. talking about it. When Facts. he was the, the, the cash cow for everybody, everybody was okay with little girls around and was encouraging it. But as yeah. soon as that money dried out, then everybody turned on him and made him a victim. And like you say, he has a, a passive abuse and things like that. This man yeah. didn't even have an education. He couldn't read or write like that. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, he that's did. what they that's what they do to black men. It's like when they don't need you no more. They throw you out to dry. That's, you know, Bill Cosby. I mean, if you've been raping chicks for 40 years, what happened to when he was on the Cosby show and doing all these shows that he was America's funny man? Nobody was saying nothing. But as soon as he got old and nobody need him anymore. Now, these women from 40 years ago, the same women that he put on that was in. And, and, you know, it was so funny, like these same women, like, oh, he raped me, but kept going back, getting raped, working with him, being his friend. But all of a sudden now, oh, he raped me. And I'm not saying he did. I'm not saying that at all. But the thing is, like, when it comes to black men, when we're not needed anymore, we get thrown away. And unfortunately, it wasn't like that in our own community. You know what I'm saying? We had a bond with our women. We had a bond with our queens that at the end of the day out there, they may beat me. But when I got home, I was a king because, you know, what? our community was strong. But unfortunately, now we face where we got to fight out there and then we come home to our own culture and we have to still fight. You know what I mean? And it wasn't like that back in the day. The problem that that happened is that they started to make black women believe that the women's movement was their movement. And it wasn't no. black women weren't complaining about no. voting. They weren't complaining about being treated unfairly in the household. We were, we treated our women like Queens. We were a culture that stuck together. Yeah. White women had those issues. Absolutely. But they made them believe it. And that's what started that transition. So I know I touched a lot of things in that. That's me no, right and, 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 and <laughs> to, to your point, I think to touch on this. And like I said, I, I, I shamelessly mentioned R Kelly name because no, anybody that knows me knows I don't stand for none of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not defending my stance on anybody. No. R. Kelly is where he needs to be for what he did. Facts. But how do we, what's the lesson from this, right? What's the lesson? So we don't create a bunch of R. Kelly's again. Because mm-hmm. yeah. that's the problem is that we don't, all right, we want to say, ah, oh, he's this, this and that, boom. But no one wants to talk about or take accountability. For the for what they contributed to that situation. Exactly, exactly. And that's the problem. And we live in this world where and here's the thing. I and mentioned my relationship with Hudu Rising. I love the kind of relationship because she asked me the questions that most women never ask me in my life mm-hmm. about my whether I stand on something, why? Why do I feel this way? Mm-hmm. What's going on? How are you feeling? What's these things? And we're just friends and that's we're like sisters, brothers and sisters more so, but there's not so many women that are having those conversations with their men. Mm-hmm. It's all about how they feel or what it is. And support starts with both ends. It's one of the biggest truths, right? Cause we talk about energy, masculine, feminine energy, right? Men has feminine energy. Women has masculine energy. Mm-hmm. It works that that way. There are times where, we need to be protected as well. Yeah. As black yeah, men. We do. We need, yeah. we need and, saving. Yeah. So now women, women do protect black men, but not in the way black men need to be protected. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. Now a black woman will cover and will, will do the stuff to make sure he don't get hurt. 
or make sure he, no one disrespects him or checks him. But are you going to listen to him and wipe his tears when he cry? Yeah. That's the protection he needs. Are, when he's, when he is tapping into his inner child and he needs that embrace, how many of y'all are willing to embrace that black man? Because we need it. Mm. We need it. Yeah. There's times where I'm so hurt and I'm dealing with stuff in this life. I can, there's, I don't think there's any other race that will heart stops when a car comes, when a police car come right behind me. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no other race that's doing that. That is mental health that we got to deal with. And I'm just, and there's times where a car come behind me. I'm like, Oh shit. Mm-hmm. I remember this day, right? Where a car police car comes right behind me. And I'm like, all right, I'm doing about 55 and a 50. Usually that's, that's fine. But, this car was persistent and had his lights coming on. I literally pulled over. He just went beside me and went up to somebody else. But he was so close behind me. I was about to say, oh, he got me. Yeah. And I, I was I, I was shaking. It was it was a scary experience for me. Every time I get those experiences, it's scary. Why? Because we never know how those things going to end because yep. we've been conditioned and thinking that this is. And most situations is end. I've always had great situations with cops. I've never yep. had a, a not say never, but most 95% of my my encounters with, with cops is positive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what we need is for us understand that we're we're a unique species when it comes to men of what we deal with. Mm-hmm. I would never say black women are not the most disrespected women out here. They are. Mm-hmm. Black women get disrespected yeah. and shitted on like nobody else. But guess what? Black men is not that far behind. Mm-hmm. And so we need that protection as well. And that's what I feel like we need to understand. And I hope that those who's listening, whether you're your woman you're a white male, or if you're a white man talking about I got black friends, check on your black friends and see how you mentally doing. <laughs> Definitely, you know, and and I, I you know, I, you know, this is a vulnerable moment for me. You know what I'm saying? I've had times where I've broken down. You know what I'm saying? I've broken down to my wife. You know what I mean? And um, because you know, when we first, if if you know, for people that listen to my podcast, and I, I I always speak about my mental breakdown, what I went through, and how me and my wife weren't really on the same page because she couldn't understand what I was going through. She see a husband that's always cocky and strong, and and then break down and and, and crying and, and stuff like that. So she did, and she's Caribbean, so for her it was a real hard disconnect. But you know, she's learned over the t- time that you know, as a man, sometimes I need saving you know sometimes i need to cry you know like you said that inner child comes out you know what i mean because sometimes when i'm in that depressive state i don't see the man in the mirror i see that eight nine ten year old boy that wants his mommy you know what i'm saying and sometimes you just have to let it go you have to let that emotions go and and it's hard when you don't feel comfortable letting that go so we tend as men to hold it in all the time but it's great, you know, and, and one thing I definitely love about where my relationship with my wife has gone is that, you know, I could be that that little boy and cry and she holds me and says, I'm here to save you. I got you. And sometimes that is just the difference. You know what I'm saying? Because 
I didn't feel that I had that for years. I had to be the leader, starting companies, doing this, doing that. And I, I always had to be the strong one. I always had to be the, the, the man. I always had to be the idealist, the leader in my circle. So when I had my breakdown and I wasn't that man anymore, you know what I'm saying? Because it, I just couldn't keep the, the fakeness up no more. As far as like holding things in, you know, you know, it was a learning curve for her. You know what I mean? Which yeah. a lot of black women have that learning curve is to see your man weak and come and save him. Cause most women want a man that's strong, that could take it and, and be there for her, take care of her, caress her. She can cry and be emotional and everything's fine. But when it comes to men, a lot of times, as soon as a woman sees that she runs because it's like, Oh, you're not manly. Oh, you're not the guy I thought you were. And they run not understanding that that doesn't make you less a man. It makes you more, more of a man, man to be able to express how you feel. And it makes your relationship relationship tighter that your man knows that when I'm down, you have my back and I could be who I am. I could uh, relieve my, my stress and my emotions to you and you dare to support me and hold me and say, baby is going to be okay. And my wife has done that, you know, and I, I, you know, in the beginning it was hard for her. It really was because she didn't understand myself because she's Caribbean. She's Haitian. So for her, Mental health, it doesn't exist. It's like, are you just being lazy? Maybe you need God. You know what I'm saying? Cause that's the answer to the Caribbean household. You know what I'm saying? Cause she comes from a, a family of strong men. You know what I mean? So when she's with me and when I have my breakdown after seeing me a certain way for 12, 13 years, 14 years, you know, actually 17 years. It happened last year, you know, 17 years of me being who I am and then seeing that breakdown is like, What's going on? What I have to do? And, you know, and then she learned, you know, like, oh, damn, you know, mental health is real. And, and now she's able to embrace me the way, you know, that I need at certain times where it's like, damn, you know what? My baby got my back. Let me, let me. And I'm fortunate, you know what I'm saying? But it took us a while to get there. But a lot of men don't even have that. They don't even have a cousin or their mama or, or, you know, a lot of issues in the mama, you know, or, or grandmother or anybody that they can go to to do that. And we hold it in so much and it builds and it builds and it builds anger, regret, resentment, hurt. It builds. And then you, that's why you have a lot of, and I'm not saying that, that, Men aren't accountable for doing dumb shit. We have, but we have to understand where it comes from. Honestly, we are held accountable to a higher standard than anybody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like we can't we can't act out and then just have that oh male protection the way white men does. Mm -hmm. We we don't get that the way we we think we do like here's one thing to consider right i i'm from state of new jersey right one of the things i learned one thing you learn in a lot of states is that when a man and a woman has a child a man has to fight if a man has a kid with a child with has a child with his with his baby mom and they're not married mm-hmm. if it's outside of wedlock mm-hmm. he has to go to court to request visitation rights. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you don't, if you're not married to the woman you have a kid with as a man, you have to go to court to get visitation rights. Mm-hmm. You don't have no custody. If that child is with you and the cops is called, you got to get that child up or you got to get arrested or get up out that place. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we don't, and people don't understand how much the system is meant to look at. It. Think about it. How, what's the population, Jelly said? It's mostly black men. Mm-hmm. So we are held accountable to this high standard. So when we say something is wrong, it's not to skip the accountability because accountability is part of who we are as men. Mm-hmm. We grew yep. up in a household where we got accountability. Mm-hmm. Those belts was harder against us than our sisters. <laughs> yep. Because so we are grew up. So one of the things I want us to understand is that accountability is not skipped when it comes to black men. Now, every woman, every situation, there are, there are exceptions, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. is the exception the rule or is just the exception? Mm-hmm. We got to understand the difference. And too, too often we don't understand that difference and mm-hmm. why and in the perception. And we think that, okay, this person, or he beat his wife all the time and no one does nothing. In most cases, there's a term we used to use up north. We used to call it a, a white tank top, a white beater. Why? Because that was the image of a black man getting arrested. Yep. <laughs> yep. So it's more times we're getting held accountable to a higher standard than anything else. So I do not like when we sit here and we say, this is the cause, this is the cause. Oh, you make excuses. No, we're not doing that. We're saying that we're accountable for our actions. We're accountable. We, we, there's no excuse for being a, a terrible person out here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, there are contributing factors that cause that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, you know, you touched upon something that I had a podcast about that I got a lot of emails about it, a lot, you know, saying when I was talking about how as fathers, you know, when we have the, the, we are we are held so accountable for women getting pregnant. And it's like we're out here raping women, forcing them to have kids and being single mothers. When at the end of the day, both for the people are responsible. We yeah. both laid down. A, but but the thing is, my responsibility, I'm still responsible, but my participation is not is not valued. You know, OK, if I have sex with a woman. Right. Cool. She gets to decide everything at that point. You know what I'm saying? From she keeps the child. Uh, if I'm going to be on child support, how I see the kid, everything's on her. And now I'm, and you know, and to me, I thought that there was two parents, you know what I'm saying? Like there should be, if she wants to ter- end the term, the pregnancy, that's her right. If she wants to keep it, that's her right. And if she keeps it, then it's my responsibility to take, take care of it. And at the end of the day, and I'm not trying to say that we aren't accountable because I think, yes, we do have the power to say no or to protect ourselves during sex. So we make sure you know, there are too many things that we could do. So don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, why is it that only we are accountable for a woman getting pregnant? Like so many women, but, like, oh, he got me pregnant. Oh, I and it's like, it's like, and my, my next question is always, did he rape you? Like, cause to me, that's serious. Like he got, oh shoot, he raped you. Oh no. Then how he get you pregnant? Oh, he, 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 he came in me. Okay, did did you tell him put on a condom and he took it off? You know what I'm saying? Like 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 to me, I always ask these things of like, so during that whole process, you know, did you say put on a condom and he said no? Then I get that. You know what I'm saying? Or or he snuck it off. Like like it's always no, no. I knew he was going raw. Oh, I knew he was that kind. You know what I'm saying? Well, okay. After that, did you go to uh, Walgreens and get the morning after pill? No. Because, you know, he he should have he should have done that. So you have no accountability for you getting pregnant at all. Then you decide to have the child. Oh, he going to pay for this. Like and that's the problem is that I get it. We have a choice as men, of course. But why is the accountability? Like you said, it's so heavy on us. 
we the ones that are, you know, seeing, and, and I'm not in any way saying deadbeat dads are cool. Not at all. Yeah. I, I had a deadbeat dad, but at the end of the day, as a man, I understand that like this mother is difficult when it comes to me, me co-parenting. And I just want to stay away, which I'm not saying it's right, right but, but it's, it's a reality. It's a reality of like, if I'm trying to be a, a parent and let's be real, these, 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 these women out here that say that their, 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 their father's a deadbeat. It's not like they were with some guy that was a great guy in a relationship. They had a baby. He just said, you know what? F you, I'm done. No, it's these thug drug dealer, wannabe rappers, guys just not doing good. You get pregnant by them and surprised that they're not there. Let's be honest. And then the, and then these same guys are the ones that have multiple babies. You know what I'm saying? By these women, but they want to complain. Men ain't shit. But you dating a man that ain't shit. Facts. And, <laughs> and that's where personal accountability comes on. Because there's the... Con, there's, there is none for women. There's none. Because many women are taught to think that, one, they're the prize. Mm-hmm. So that when a man... A man is supposed to do this for you and your job is to present yourself to be that prize. Mm-hmm. So it's easy for you when because if that man messes up and you walk out, you good. Mm-hmm. Let a man walk out of a relationship after five, six years. Oh, he wasted her time. He didn't even give her a ring. Mm-hmm. He wasted her time. And it's I see this narrative over and over like that. Oh, he wasted, but yeah, a woman could walk away from a six years and they be cheering on like, "Go, sis, get your independence." <laughs> Encouraging me with another yeah. man. I, I hate, you know. I see a lot of times too, and you know, I see it when they yeah, talk about men. But a lot of times, when men are in a relationship with a woman, right, and they break up, that man it takes a while for them to get over it. Yeah, that man is hurt. I'm, I'm not talking about the players. I'm talking about just relationship. Well, that man know. is hurt. Yeah. But I've seen so many times the woman literally they've been together for like six, seven years, married. Six months later, remarried again. Talking about, oh, I found my love. I'm so happy. And it's like, and, and what it, what it is is that they were already making those moves prior mm-hmm. to breaking away. And that's one thing women are known for. A woman would never walk away from a marriage or a situation without her ducks being in a row. Mm-hmm. Her ducks got to be in a row. Her situation got to be sit because she already done broke up with you mentally, emotionally mm-hmm. for about a good year or two. And you don't even, and, and, and a lot you, of men don't even know, know it. it. See, and that's the thing. It's like with a man, when a man changes on a woman, and this is what I see people. I'm sure people are going to listen and maybe they have their own story. So yeah. I always put it out there. But from what I've seen is that when a man, when a man is fucking up, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know it. When he's tired of the relationship, you know it. He acts differently. He acts funny. He acts withdrawn. He acts certain way. But a woman, she would, man, I've seen acting. Everything is good. Everything is peachy keen. But then one day, I'm done. And he's like, what do you mean? Oh, because you're not giving me what I need. Well, what do you mean? What was the conversation? What, what was the conversation? And, and, and they, they they use this term "quiet, silent cries." And there's it probably stuff that they say passionately, but never been a sit down where they sit there and have this conversation. And I find, and it knows the crazy part. When we had this conversation, what woman would say is, well, if he knows this woman, he should have known that she stopped messing with him a long time ago. (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) yes, that could be true. That could be true. But also what you could have do and said, no, I'm done. And just ended there. And it's because what it really boils down to is woman value security. Mm -hmm. And as long as they're being secure, 
they're going to buy that time until they can afford their own security. Mm. They can provide their own security. And we're not trying to bash all women, no, no, okay? Because oh, I want people to be like, yo, this podcast is bashing. No, no, no we're listen, not. We're listen, just oh, let, talk listen, about situations. Situations from experiences. Exactly. First off, anybody knows me and follows me, one of my favorite quotes is this. There's a time to be humble and there's a time to let your nuts hang. Mm. So, and there's a time where we're going, I'm talking because I'm speaking from what I've heard, what I've seen, what I've experienced within myself. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean every woman feels that way. And, I, and trust me, I love women. I have a lot of good relationships with women, platonic friendship. So women knows how I give it up because I don't, I move with certain, with certain principles in a certain character in a certain ways. And that's respected by those women. But that, that but that doesn't mean I won't have the same conversation, say how I say to them as well, mm-hmm. because as a, at the end of the day, we are entitled to our own viewpoint and our own experience. It's just that when it comes to women, a lot of men has the same experience. Just like when it comes to women, a lot, a lot of y'all had the same experience with men as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I think I think it's something that we need to recognize that there's hurt on both sides. Yeah. And 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 the problem is that we culturally have made made uh, this idea that men are just cheaters, they're dogs, they're deadbeat dads and that narrative is something that our black women uh continue to portray and 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 make popular within our culture and other cultures as well you know what i mean at the end of the day you didn't go to a white man because black man did you dirty you went to a white man because you like the white man or you went to a white man because the black man you like won't change for you if you keep dating a thug, if you keep dating these types of men, don't say black men say, you know what? I want a thug black man that I could change and make a good guy. And I couldn't do that. So I figured I go somewhere else, but don't blame the whole black race of men out there and say, Oh, there are no good black men. So I have to go do this. And that's the problem with, our, and it's okay for them to do it, but a black man dates a white woman is saying, Oh, there's so many good black women. You just gave up. You're not respecting your Queens is like, no, yeah, it's double standards. Y'all could do it, but we can't. And it should just be about us healing as a culture to be able to have that communication. Like, this is how the black man has hurt me. This is how the black woman has hurt me. This is what I want from my black man. This is what I want from my black women. But see, we don't want to have that conversation. We don't want to have the conversation culturally because at the end of the day, if we really, if women are empowered to understand that it's not always somebody else's fault, that you have some blame too, that's a conversation they don't want to have because victimization to me, that's a mental health victimization. Facts. And and I think our black women have that victimized. They're so used to that narrative. I've been hurt. I've been going through struggle that when it's it's showed to them that you've done some shit too. They don't want to have that kind of You know, my mom, you know, I have a lot of issues for my mom. You know what I'm saying? Me and my mom's had a a a, a really horrible past. And I'm starting to believe through my healing, you know, and and dealing with things I went through with my mom, I'm starting to realize that I think my mom will never admit the things she done because she couldn't see herself as a good person that would destroy her. So sometimes the lie is what is saving you. You know, I really believe that so many people out there have done so much dirty shit that if they actually really accepted it, it would destroy them. And I think, unfortunately, we're in a culture like that right now where black women, 
if they really see the damage. And like I said, we've done damage too to black women. So I'm not saying that. Absolutely. But I really think that as a culture of black women start to see the damage they've done to their black man, they couldn't recover from that because now they have to take accountability and being a victim. You don't take accountability. That's the exact opposite. So how can you take, be a victim and take accountability? You can't. So you have to be one or the other. We as black men have to take accountability. We don't have a choice to play the victim. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we have to take accountability for everything, for wrongs, rights, everything. Women have the choice, but they choose victimization because at the end of the day, accountability does not work within our culture. Because if they took accountability, then that means there's a lot of things we take accountability that we shouldn't. And now it puts it on them. So culture, it's hard for us to do that. And I'm with you. And here's one of the main solutions I advise everybody here to do this. Number one. We got to start learning sh- our shadow selves. Mm. And that's, I feel like, where people are missing. And I say this on both sides, men and women. And I think a lot with women because women has been, again, society. I know the narrative is changing with the generation. But with the generation that came before me and where I'm in, there's still this idea where women are looked upon as you're the catch, you're the prize. You have to, once you carry yourself a certain way, that means you don't have to work on yourself. You don't have to do all mm, the things because mm. the man who wants you, he's going to make it known he wants mm-hmm. you. Get that BBL, girl. Yeah. You good. You know yeah, absolutely. <laughs> do, do all of that. Mommy makeover, all of that, right? You good. And you good. All you, and the man that wants you, he going to seek you. But the truth is, as a man, if we're toxic, it's uh, it's a it's a stain on us. It's a stain that we would have to deal with lower vibrational women that's going to cater to that because they toxic too, so they don't mm-hmm. care. But when we ever get the woman that we want, if she takes a chance on that man, she's taking a chance. Mm-hmm. That's the mindset. She's mm-hmm. taking a chance, whereas. Well, women, if a woman has whatever she went through, most men, there are men that would shame women, don't get me wrong, from a past, whatever. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of men that, real men that would get up there and say, hey, what happened before me is before me is who you are now. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that man, once he's labeled a fuck boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard, you know, and, and I think you touch upon a, a point how we used to be like a woman used to be. The they used to be the prize because they value, they knew the value that they were taught. You know what I'm saying? They were yeah. they were taught values that that they would say, yo, you have these values. A man is gonna notice that and he's going to become a man. Men are men because of women. Facts. Let's be real. We are men because of women. We step up our game, we level up. Because of women, and, and you know what I'm saying, we become fathers, we become husbands, we become hard workers because of a good woman. So Listen. we we want to step up our game to get that woman because they were the prize. Because the thing was, they came with the qualities that we was like, yo, we got to work hard to keep this woman because at the end of the day, this woman. So men were like, yo, I'm gonna step up, I'm gonna be a better man, I'm gonna level up, I'm gonna be that man that you need. But see, the problem is this: women right now aren't those women anymore they are bringing toxic they're bringing they're bringing uh they're bringing negative thoughts they're bringing negative energy they're bringing a lot of 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 un 
I don't want to say unladylike because I'm not trying to say that woman that dresses a certain ways, but they're just bringing these, 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 these morals and traits that are, are not really, why am I working hard for a woman that doesn't even respect me as a man? Why am I working hard for a mm. woman that, that, that uses her body as, as a, as a, as a bargaining tool, you know, you, you know, uh, you, you know, you can get sex if you, you know, those that, things, you I'm know, gonna be honest, that is the level of accountability we as men got come off because mm-hmm. there are a lot of women don't understand how big respect is for us. Mm-hmm. So conversation I had the other day, who was the person that wrote respect? R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Who's the person that wrote that song? Most people would think it's Aretha Franklin, right? Mm-hmm. It was Otis Redding. Mm. Otis Redding was the original singer, writer, and singer of that song. Mm-hmm. The only difference is when Aretha Franklin took the version, she spelled it out. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Mm-hmm. That line she added, but the rest of that song was about a man wanting to get some respect when he get back home. Mm-hmm. That's what that song was about. Respect historically has been a thing that ingrained in us because his, if you look at slavery, right, we were treated with the most disrespect. Yeah. One of the things I, I love when women say, and I said I love this because women would talk about how the white men raped the, raped the women. They did the men as well. Mm-hmm. It's called buck breaking. Yep. Yep. So we went through a phase where respect is so big for us because we came from a tribes where we was respected. We were the Kings. We, we were the rulers. We were the heads of our tribes. We always historically wanted respect. Mm-hmm. So we went to a period where we didn't get none. Mm-hmm. The man was treated with no respect, with no dignity. And they, and men had to recover from that because people understand trauma is in the DNA as well. Mm. So the trauma that you are dealing with right now might not be yours. It might be someone that was passed down from, from hereditary. Mm. So what we got to understand is that there's certain things with respect and we as men, we got to start learning how to command respect, mm. not demand it, not shout it out, but know how to move. And that starts with us communicating it in the right way and let it be known what's not to be tolerated. Mm. If you, you respect starts with ourselves, we got to respect ourselves. We got to res- we got respect who we decide to mess around with. If mm. that person is not of a certain value, then guess what? You can't be messing with that person. Yeah, accountability that we because here's because yeah. one thing we can learn from women is this. A woman is not going to mess with a dude that she do not feel respect on her level. Mm. But yet we will deal with a chick that we don't respect. Mm. But yet we expect the woman to respect us, but we don't respect ourselves to not mm. deal with someone we don't respect. Mm. Mm. So one of the things that I will always say for black men, I'm not afraid to hold us accountable. There's some things that as men, we got to learn from women has been coming together and doing events and doing things together for years. Mm-hmm. It's only now men are doing that. So we, as men, we got to get together. We got to have this conversation me and Cass is having right now. Mm -hmm. This important conversation because this is one is healing for us. And it's also good to know and express that we're not alone because many things that men deal with is what we call the lid principle. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shout out to confidence factor. My brother's from that saying, which means is that the lid is the lonely isolated and they feel like they don't matter. 
Mm. Those that's the lit principle. And that's what many men deals with. Mm. And what I've learned is to understand that when men deals with these things, it's because we are not aware of who we are. We're not coming together. We think we're alone and we're struggling by ourselves mm. with our voice mute because we feel that the moment that we speak mm-hmm. is just like back in slavery. You speak up, you get whipped across your back. And today the whipping is different, but it feels the same. Mm, mm. And you know what? On that note, I think I need to end it. That was a good. <laughs> I don't even want to. I don't even want to come after that because that was a good way to end it. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, definitely, man. That's deep, man. You know what I'm saying? The whipping. We feel like back in the day, we're whipping is different, but it's the same. That's deep, and that's something that I I feel that is is great to end it on. Um, uh, Dr. Love Jones, I want to appreciate you give you your flowers for the work you're doing for the impact you're making for the the lives and the and the, and the people that you're saving through your words and your education and and giving your life experience and giving that vulnerability to people that they can relate and understand and you're helping people through your podcast through your book through your speaking engagements you know what I'm saying I I salute you my brother because at the end of the day there's not a lot of black brothers out here doing that and you know to put yourself out there and to say certain things and be honest and have that conversation. It's helping healing. It's helping heal the culture. It's helping. Even if you help one person, it's going to help another that's breaking generational curse. And that's, you know, in, infusing that love and positivity into black men and into our culture that we need right now. So I appreciate you so much for coming on my show and having to sit down and, and chat with me and, and talking to people about it. Uh, let people know what you got going on your social media all that stuff because you know I definitely want people to continue to follow you and continue to have that conversation absolutely first off thank you for having me here um, I'm glad to be here to have this conversation where you can find me is I'm on every social media except Facebook as I am underscore DR Love Jones I'll say it again I am underscore DR Love Jones IG Twitter Clubhouse all those places you can access me TikTok as well and on Facebook, I am Javon Dr. Love Jones, Javon Dr. Love Jones. So you can find me there. And hey, if you find some value, you want to connect with me, I'm here. You can my inbox are open. You can slide in at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> Are there anything you got coming up? Any future plans? Things you got? Well, coming um, up? right now I'm working on a second book. Nice, nice. Okay. I got a second book. I'm working on actively. I got some. I got some book signings. I got a book signing that's happening in New Jersey mm. at source of knowledge in Newark, New Jersey. Nice. I'm doing that on the 16th of next month. Mm. Um, I'm going to be in Coco this weekend for a book showcase where I'm going to be in a different store. They have all the local artists, nice. authors out there to display their books. So I got a few things coming on and uh, just make sure you connect me, follow me through social media. And I, we definitely be caught up on what all the things I'm getting, I'm doing at this current moment. And then you could always check out the Gemini podcast here on the culture radio every Thursday at seven o'clock here. You download the app. If you, or if you listen, you have the lap, but definitely tune in. Just don't tune in for me, tune in for them because it's a great podcast. Uh, they get deep and the conversation, the guests you have, and you really reveal a lot. That's really great for people to listen to. So definitely every Thursday, seven o'clock live on the culture radio, uh, you could definitely check them out. Um, I want to appreciate everybody who's been listening to the podcast, listening tonight. Um, I want to appreciate everybody. Once again, I always want to appreciate 
appreciate making this podcast the top 100 in the world for mental health. Thank you so much for that. And I promise you, I'm going to keep following up and doing what I do and building it. And, and you know, I just hired my sister, who's my uh, marketing manager now. She she graduated from St. John's University Marketing Degree. My wife was like, why don't you actually your your sister? I was like, oh, shoot. She works like for a major company. I, I just never thought about it. She's Duh. my sister. But I, I know, right? That's really, and pretty much my wife said like, uh, are you serious? You know what I mean? Because I'm complaining like, oh, my marketing sucks. She's like, uh, why don't you just talk to your sister? I'm like, oh, shoot, you're right. So, you know what I'm saying? Me and her, we're starting a campaign. So you're going to see a lot more of Black Business Mental Health. Um, you can always check me out at castlewilliams.com.